Hey everybody, it's Jeff. Before we start today, I wanted to give a shout out to Row Visual. If you were at any of our live tour stops or saw the live stream from Dallas, you know that Row Visual was our LED provider, and it is a stunning product. Row Visual has experience with working with some of the biggest tours, from the Red Hot Chili Peppers to Ed Sheeran, and they know the measures it takes to bring full-scale operations to life, whether you're taking it on the road or hosting weekly services. And because they know the demands of large-scale events and touring, they also understand what you're looking for in terms of reliability and functionality. Each product comes with a knowledgeable tech department that's behind you every step of the way for support. So if you're in the market for an LED upgrade or some LED product, learn how you can tap into their streamlined display experience by contacting Row today at 747-229-9190 or by visiting their website at www.rowvisual.com. All right, you're in for a good one today. Let's get straight to the episode. You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 128 of the MXU podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom, and I'm here as always with my co-host, Lee Fields. How you doing, buddy? What's up? We are fresh off the MXU live tour, and we're so excited about the last week and a half. We had such an incredible time in Atlanta, Chicago, and Dallas. Uh, we're going to spend some time at some point catching up and debriefing on all that stuff because yeah. it was just a great, a great few events. For sure. And if you want to catch it on a replay, you can get lifetime access to the stream from the tour. Just go to our website, getmxu.com, and click the events t- page, and you can actually buy that stream pass for eight hours of coverage, lifetime access. That's right. It's excellent. So gather your team around and watch it together because there's tons of stuff that anybody in audio, video, or lighting, or worship can really glean from in terms of best practices and how to make your weekends better right away. We had such a blast. So yeah, go get the stream pass, make your worship team watch it, and you're going to be better right away. But that's not why we're here today. We're here today because we're joined by our good friend, Stephen Brewster. And we're going to have a great conversation as always, but we also have a pretty big announcement to make. So Stephen, welcome. Thanks for coming back and just sitting down with us and having a big chat. Guys, I'm so excited to be here. So Stephen, you're the, you're the worship goat, like other than Jesus and the, the, <laughs> the trifecta up there. It's like, it's like, you're the guy kind of like orchestrating it all. It feels like you're in the middle of everything. The guy, the ultimate guy behind the curtain with modern worship music, you're kind of it, man. It's so funny, Lee, because that was never the intention. Like, you know, I was, I, I was very happy working at a local church and just being at one church, serving one church forever. And I honestly, even the irony of how we're recording this today, I thought I would be at that church forever. Like the, the plan was, you know, be, be on the executive team over the creative team, which included worship and do that until I was too old to do it anymore. And then become a campus pastor and ride out in the sunset. And, yeah. you know, God had a different plan. And as most of us have learned, sometimes that plan has nothing to do with what we think. And five years ago, I got to start helping worship teams. And today is just, it's bananas what I get to do. And like, let's, We've done this before. You've been on here before, but your background is in the music industry, and you worked for a record label that 
right. really helped launch modern worship as we know it today, integrity music. It's a hundred percent. Like I worked in integrity. And the, the, the funny thing is like when I went, went into the music business, <clears throat> I went into the music business wanting to do hip hop. Like that's what I wanted to do. And every stop along the way, I worked at multiple labels before integrity in different places. Every time I would get really, really close to getting to work on something that was hip hop, I'd end up working on something that was worship instead. And hmm. like I got hired to Goatee Records, which back then Goatee Records was like the hip hop record label. And yeah. Grits, Out of Eden, No to Verbs, John Rubin. It was all these great hip hop artists. And I ended up being the worship guy. So at like God already at Goatee. So God, God was pounding on my stubborn head all the way back then. Hey, this is where I want you to go. But you know, when you're young, you're just like, I just want to do cool stuff. And yeah, you know, back then worship wasn't cool stuff, but I, I, as I'm, I've gotten older and look back at it now, it's just so fun to see how God has planned this all along to where we are today. So. That's awesome. So cool. And then, you know, what you're doing now, you, uh, what's the like one sentence version of what you do? I help churches release music. And so churches all over the country are writing songs. Hopefully they're writing songs because they, they want to tell the story of the ministry that's happening at their church. And then some of them, not all of them should release those songs because there's other pockets of community around the world that would probably connect and sync with what that message is. And so I help churches figure out how to do that so that their pastors, their worship leaders, their worship pastors can continue to do the things that they can do and don't have to try to figure out the the music world. That's really cool. I think it's so instructive for people just to ruminate on the couple of sentences that you just said for a little while, because too many times I think people who think that they need to write songs and release music are doing so because so-and-so other church has done it instead of, Hey, we have something that's unique to our community and our expression that we feel like can be a benefit to other people. So, I mean, just that, just that little bit of clarity could be so helpful, I think, because we don't release new music just because Elevation does or because North Point did or because Hillsong does. We do it because we have something to say to our people that's going to help them in our community. And gosh, there might be other people out there who could benefit from this too. And that's a completely different mindset. I think even when Hillsong started, it wasn't like they started a record label and this church happened. Right. You know, Shout to the Lord and some of the early, early Hillsong stuff was a part of their church. And they realized, hey, the rest of the world can maybe get what we're getting from this right. in terms of you know our our heart for the Lord and our heart for our community and our heart for our teams. And that's when Hillsong blew up. They weren't setting, they didn't set out to be a, a music company or a record label. They set out to write helpful songs for their church. And it just it went from there. So that's so good. And I would say, Oh, sorry, Lee, but I would say the, the desire for other churches to sing the songs should never even probably be the desire. It should be, how do I tell the story of the messages and the ministry that's happening in my local church for the people in my community? Right. So 
I heard this pastor the other day say this. He's like, I could preach the best message of my life. And if I preached it and you heard it, and a year from now, I ask you to tell me what the points were, you might remember one. But if my worship team wrote a song about it, you could sing the whole song to me a year from now. And whether or not another church ever sings that song or not, the people in your community, in your congregation that you're trying to reach in Biloxi need need that song, right? And so all songs aren't weighed equally. And so you have to be creating for the people that God's called you to steward. That's really good. That's awesome. And we've said the word elevation already, but was it Elevation the first band that you helped when you decided to go out on your own? And was that an accident, how that even happened? It was a total accident. So here's the funny part about Elevation. So I've been friends with some of those guys for a long, long time. And when they were about to sign their record deal, I had left Integrity. I was working at a church in Nashville. And that's how we became friends because Wade was the creative pastor. I was the creative pastor. Chris was the worship leader. And so we started just hanging out at different events. I think the first time we hung out was like a catalyst creative meeting and we became friends Well, they were about to do their album. They were about to sign a record deal. And I was in, in Charlotte for the day and they were like, Hey, could we go to dinner and talk about this? And I remember this so clearly we sat at a Chili's and it was Mac Wade and Chris and myself. And I mean, we were high dining at the Chili's. Okay. And chicken crispers and talking about record companies and bro, those Chipotle chick crispers. I mean, do they get, does it get any better? Shout out. I mean, it is so good. It is so good. And so we're Where's sitting that Michelin there. star chilies. Exactly. That's what's missing. That, and then they're like, never mind. So we're sitting there talking and it's like, I'm telling them, okay, here's what this label's good at. This is this. And I have no interest in it. Like, because I'm just helping my friends. Right. So fast forward, probably 10, 12 years later, um, I left the church that I was working at and I sent Wade a text and I was like, Hey man, I don't know if you need any help with your music, but if you did, I would love to, to help you guys. And this is before like, how you hear below record came out. And, um, he texted me back and he was like, dude, I want, I would, we would love to have you help us. We have been talking about this. Chris and I have been talking about this for the last four years and we've said your name specifically, but you've always had a job. And I was like, conveniently, I don't have a job. So I literally went and (laughs) met with them and they were the first church that I started working with five years ago. I still work with them today. And then like three weeks later, I went to Southeastern University to pitch some content. And when I was there pitching content, um, it was, they were like, we love this content. By the way, could you go upstairs and sit with our worship team? There's a record label here that's talking to them today. And we want to make sure that they know what they're doing. I go up there and sit with them. And by the time I'm leaving that day, they're like, you can't leave without helping us. And literally since that point, God has just brought church after church into our path to help as we're helping them release worship music. So I work with a lot of churches all over the country. Some of them you've heard of, some of them you haven't yet. And it's a lot of fun. That's so cool. Well, I think that's the perfect segue to our big announcement. That's Uh right. So you guys know that 
the MXU podcast has spawned two other podcasts at this point, the MXU Lighting Podcast and the MXU Video Podcast, both of which have gotten really good traction and have a, a growing audience. And we have experts in those fields who continue to share with industry professionals and other experts about those specific topics. So we're thrilled today to be announcing the launch of the MXU Worship Podcast featuring Stephen Brewster. And so Stephen is going to be the host of the podcast. And so I know you've already recorded some of the content, so mm-hmm. fill us in on what we can expect because I'm like, so like excited. A round of applause there. Yeah, we definitely need yeah golf good golf Let's clap at least. Up. I mean, so fill us in. Like, what what can we expect? Yeah, I'm so excited about this. And so the last thing you guys needed was another podcast. Probably the last thing the world needed was another podcast, and I didn't need another job. However, this is something <laughs> that's been a, a passion of mine for a long time, and I think that worship leaders all over the country are always trying to learn. I know that to be true because I talk to a lot of them at different events that I'm at. And what we want this podcast to be is a chance to help equip worship leaders to do what they do better. So we're going to interview some worship leaders you've never heard of before. We've already recorded some worship leaders that you have heard of before. I don't know if we're allowed to say their names today, but let's yeah. go ahead. And, okay. Let it fly. We just like, like a couple weeks ago, we recorded Phil Wickham and, and Brandon Lake on the same week. Right. Um, we, we've got Corey Voss, uh, Mia Fields, Mitch Wong, um, Jordan Howerton from CCD music. I did, we are, we're talking to a very broad scope of, of worship leaders. And we're going to talk to them about everything from songwriting to how to release music, to when you were a worship leader, what was that like? And what do you wish you knew now that you don't know, didn't know then? Like Brandon Lake is a great example. Like Brandon still leads worship at his local church in Charleston. Now you see him on the Grammys and you see him on big stages with the Kingdom Tour with Mav and all that stuff. But at the heart, he's a, a, a local weekend worship leader. And so, you know, when we had our conversation, it was just so fun. And I remember one thing he said, it was, it was awesome. And you have to tune in to get the whole context of this. Maybe this is a little bit of a teaser, but we're just talking about people and what it's like to lead people and serve people. And, and one of the things that he said that has just stuck with me is that people are the blessing, not the burden. And I think a lot of times for worship teams and worship leaders, we can get into a moment where there's so much weight on what we're doing that the people become the burden, not the blessing. And the truth is they're the blessing. So tune into that episode. You can hear Brandon talk about Man. that. And I mean, you know, that'll preach. Phil Wickham's written more songs than the Bible. And so, you know, <laughs> we got, we got him talking to us about, about songs and how he gets inspired and where he's getting like biblical revelation and you know what he, like when he was a young worship leader, you know, what would that was like? And, you know, we talk a lot about identity on that episode and just, the confusion that worship leaders sometimes deal with around their identity. So guys, I'm so excited about this. And, you know, again, some of it will be practical. Some of it will be like, we're talking to a worship leader that maybe you haven't heard from before. But the one thing that I've learned is we can always learn something from someone. And so the goal of this is, I mean, you guys know me, I'm, I'm pretty blue collar. So I'm always thinking of what's the practical way that we can figure out how to do this. And, um, this is the Blue Collar Worship Podcast, and we're just going to talk to every person that will talk to us about their songs, about their music, about their 
process, about how they learned how to lead better, and try to equip everybody with as many tools as possible. I love it. That's and I'm awesome. excited about it, too. I don't know if you guys can tell, but I'm pretty stoked. I, I Mia Fields, like you said, her name, that's one name that people probably haven't heard of, but they've sang her songs, and they just don't know it. Every week. And she is brilliant. And how she writes brilliant. songs and the work that she puts into it. It's not like, you know, sit down and how you feeling today and pop a song out. It is no. very, it's spiritual and systematic. You know what I mean? It's, it's both. And so any, I've been in some like workshops with her about songwriting and it just blows my mind. Yeah. And she, you know, again, Mia Fields is an influencer. I mean, she has written some of the biggest songs in that are sung in churches today. Yeah, you're right, Lee. A lot of people don't know. If you're not a worship leader that reads all the liner notes, you're probably, you probably don't know who Mia is, but she's also a prophetic voice. Um, she's, she's so passionate about her beliefs and she loves the local church and she loves worship leaders and she leads worship at her church here. And, you know, she used to write for Hillsong and, and, um, you know, if Lauren Daigle, just the name of Lauren Daigle, um, you know, (laughs) if you've ever, if you, yeah. Anyway, we could drop a bunch of uh, song titles maybe maybe on that episode we'll play a couple of the songs that she uh she's written first to give people a little context but um man i'm yeah i'm stoked so you know me is a great example um i was talking to jason ingram the other day and he said hey i want to be on the podcast and so no jason way. ingram has written every i mean he probably has written half of the top ccli songs in the half of the songs in the top 20 on ccli he's written and so he's going to be one of our guests we haven't recorded him yet but That'll be a great conversation. And then, you know, I I started throwing some questions out on my Instagram a little bit early. Like, hey, who would you want to hear on a podcast? Yeah. And it was so interesting how many people were like, I want to hear from the guy who made it through COVID. I want to hear from the Mm. local worship leader who's not a celebrity. Yeah. And so I'm having so so much fun having some of these conversations as well which I know aren't going to be like the marketing hooks that get a ton of people listening. But you know, the goal is if we get one listener week one and that person invites another person on week two and those two invite another person on week three, eventually we're going to be reaching a lot of worship leaders and helping a lot of people. And that's really why we're doing it. We're, we're doing it just to help people. Yeah, That's That's awesome. That's it's, it's perfect timing for where, MXU's headed. We haven't talked much about this, but internally the last few months, you know, we're going, what's the next season of MXU look like? And part of adding worship to our resources, it's, it's because it's, it's not that we've saturated the market, right? However, like the big, big churches, we, we've been able to touch them. Most of them in some ways, you know, the 10,000 and up and the 5,000 and up. We've said for the past few months and other episodes uh, talking about other topics, there's not as many of those churches as people think there are. Right. However, if you're out there and you're at a church and your attendance every weekend is between a hundred and a thousand, there are hundreds of thousands of churches that size. Yes. And I think they care way more about the stuff that you just said about who made it through COVID, 
What's the yeah. grind look like every week? How do you load in and load out of a middle school every single weekend and stay encouraged? They really, they do care about what song Brandon like Brandon Lake is writing and how it was inspirational, but they want to hear more about when he says people are the blessing, not the burden. You know, it's yes. it we we need to hear the voices from people like Mitch and Mia for inspiration and when what was it like. But what really makes an impact to to ninety nine point nine percent of churches is everything else you're talking about, and that's where we're headed. It's how can we help the volunteer tech director who has a normal job who rolls into church on the weekends as a volunteer and he's responsible for the whole thing? How do we encourage right. him to partner with his senior pastor and the volunteer worship leader at that campus to help make their church better? A hundred percent. That's and that's the whole purpose of why I why I. Like when we first started talking about this idea, the whole purpose of it was a, a, an ability to equip, right? And that's what we want to do is we want to just help equip worship leaders because most, like you said, most of them are bivocational or they have a very small team and they hear an elevation record or a Bethel record. And they're like, I don't even, I don't even have the people to pull that. I, I barely have a bass right. player. How am I going to pull off that song? Right? So Let's find ways to equip these guys to, to be able to do the songs that they want, but then also to be able to start dreaming about how they can be a voice to their congregation. Not everyone should write songs. Not everyone should release songs. I, I'm not saying that, but I think that there's probably more people that, that should be contributing than are. And so let's figure out how do we contribute, you know? That's so great. And that they're not alone. You know, I think it can feel so isolated. Yes. If you're the guy at a church of 300 in a small town in America and you feel like I'm on an island, I've got nobody. But in reality, there are more of you in the church community that feel that way. And it's like it's like 10,000 to one than 100%. feel the other way. Like you're actually not alone. We just need to help connect those people. So this is the first step into that is making them feel a part of this community. Well, I had a guy, I had a church reach out to me a couple of days ago and they, big church in Florida. And they were like, Hey, we need to hire somebody. And I'm like, okay, well, what are you looking for? They're like, well, we're looking for somebody who's led at least 14 campuses at one time before. And I'm like, you uh-huh. just basically like shrunk the pool to about three guys or girls. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's the problem. I think that a lot of times we get caught up and forget that most people are in that 100 to 1000 church. And that's beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. And what they're doing is so important and it's changing lives every single week. And we get to help maybe keep them going for a little while. I think the guys that made it through COVID are the ones that figured that out, that it right. wasn't about how many plays on Facebook and YouTube they were getting. It was about how many people are we getting back in the door in our local community? How many people are we touching in our city every single weekend? Yeah. And I, I mean, I think if I can digress just a little bit, I think one of the things that um, really like cemented for me was, you know, I was, in, I was a local church pastor for a long time. And then I find myself talking to Spotify and Apple and record labels and producers and songwriters. And I'm like, I'm not doing ministry anymore. And I had to go to one of my mentors and I was like, Hey, I'm dealing with some depression over this. 
And I'm very, very confused. I don't feel like I'm doing ministry anymore. And that person said to me, the single mom that gets in her car, they just found out her daughter has cancer and she turns on her phone and it plays that song that you helped get there is the best ministry you can do. And I think Mm. for some of our worship leaders today, even if you're not writing your own songs, singing that song in your set this week, even if it's you and an acoustic and that's the best you can do is ministering to so many people. And to what you said, Lee, it's so true. It's not about streams. It's not about counts. It's not about publishing. It's about inspiration, stewardship, and availability. There's, there's definitely a tension here because part of the difference in the sort of small to mid-sized church is that the person who's on stage singing that song knows the story of that mom because yeah. it's a smaller community. The context is more personal and more relational probably. And so they're able to minister to her in a different way than the worship leader who's just a hired gun who comes into a mega mega church because it's a name and it's a little more anonymous and it's a little less connected relationally. And so, you know, there is, I think it's a huge conversation topic for you guys to dig into is what does it mean to actually be a worship pastor, not just a song leader? Because I think in some of the sort of modern worship culture, there's been this almost karaoke kind of culture that it's like, well, we just need a great singer who can pull off so-and-so's music. And it's not about pastoral care as much as it maybe is in a smaller, more rural, more whatever, even even mainline denominational community. And uh, I love that you're not afraid to have those conversations and that you're going to be willing to kind of dig deep into the heart behind what we're doing and maybe even explore ways in which people get that wrong sometimes. Um, you know, the social media and, you know, there's so many things that contribute to this culture that's gotten sideways in some cases um, and how to bring it back to, you know, a North star that's different. Totally. Uh, so my wife and I went to a new church this weekend and we're doing a little church shopping and I was, you know, my radar's up on everything when you're church shopping, especially if you're me, right? And it actually sounded good, okay? Shout out. It sounded good. I'm not going to name the name of the church because I'm going to be a little critical (laughs) in a second, but at least it sounded good and it's five miles from my house. But the songs they sang, they did a a Hillsong tune and then they did a Phil Wickham song and then they had announcements and then they sent the band away. So drums, bass, guitar, and keys left the stage, and it left five singers, and one of them had an acoustic guitar, and then they sang three songs that they wrote. Now, they weren't great songs, just for the sake of like, is this a good song? But the lyrics were very intentional, and you could tell. They were straight out of the Bible. They were about what the sermon was going to be, and the melodies weren't great. The phrasings weren't great. You know, it, it it was a B minus or a C at best, but I have yet to hear a church. It was about 400 people sing those words, sing a bad song as loud as they sang them. Yes. And it felt like, oh, these people actually connect with these songs. It doesn't have to be Cornerstone by Hillsong, which was the first song they sang, 
they sang it equally as loud. It was really interesting. It threw me off a little bit. That's fascinating. That is amazing. And I love, I love that that was the experience that you had. And that's, that's my whole point is like, I, I got into a debate the other night with some, some friends who write songs professionally because I, I was speaking at a conference and they were like, what did you speak? And I said, why everyone should write, why every church should write their own music. And they're like, whoa, we don't believe that. And I'm like, <laughs> I didn't say everyone should release their own music. There's yeah. a big difference, right? That song, that song that may be a B minus C plus in, in, in structure of writing can be an A plus in ministry. And if it ministers to uh, those people, who cares if it ever gets on Spotify or maybe it's just on your church's YouTube channel. And that's beautiful because most people who are attending that church think that they wrote Cornerstone anyway. Right. They don't know the difference. Right. Yeah. So. That's interesting. Well, I would love for you to chat with, I'm going to put you on the spot because um, okay. I would love for you to chat with the worship pastor at my church because it. it's a... It's a worship leader that not many people have ever heard of in a church that outside of this immediate area, many people don't know about, but they do work really hard to write some of their own music. And it's for that very thing. It's for our community of faith to experience in context, some of the messaging and some of the things that we're trying to um, impart to the people in our church. And I think, you know, there are some songs that are a lot better than others. But the spirit of what you're talking about is alive and well in what they're doing. And he's got a huge heart for the fact that worship is a spiritual discipline and that worship is a part of a lot of different things that we do as Christians, but how important it is to make it to make personal worship a part of your of your life. And so yeah. I'm I, I would just be excited for you guys to sit down and chat because he's got a lot to share. So I'm well, gonna I would love send you that. his info and maybe you can Maybe you yeah, can text, get them on board. text me that info so we can get something scheduled. So, so you're in Nashville, and this week, are you at the golf tournament? I am at the uh, yeah. Ampl- the Worship Classic. The Worship Classic, sponsored by Amplio. That's right. So last year, Jeff and I went, but we couldn't make it this year because we were just on the road for ten days, and. And I actually got called to do a Tomlin date as a fill-in this week, so I have a conflict. I got to go and help Chris lead worship at a Joyce Meyer event. I was going to say, anytime people want you to fill in for Chris Tomlin, you should take it. Yeah, definitely. That's hilarious. And I will say that when you guys did, when you guys did the golf tournament, you guys came to the the first golf tournament in Orlando last year. Yeah. The best things I've ever had were at the MXU tent. Just so you know, like amazing. Shout out Zach Camry. Come on, Zach Camry. Wings are pretty easy to cook, but they were still freaking good. Yeah, but they were pretty darn they were, good. They were delicious. They were good. Um, I don't, I'll, another put you on the spot here. Are you going to oh, have gosh. your wife on the podcast? Man. Yeah, I, I should. I, so she just did a podcast with Multitracks yesterday, and they That's asked funny. a great question. They said, if do different worship leaders, so my wife's an Enneagram specialist. Um, she's amazing at what she does. She's written a couple books. Her Instagram account is blown up and uh, she, she sees people and does life coaching using the Enneagram to help them navigate trauma and things that they've gone through in their life and figure out what God's trying to do with their life. And um, 
So they, the, the multi-tracks guys had her on. They asked an amazing question. They said, based on the Enneagram, do different worship leaders pick songs differently for their worship set? And I'm not going to answer the, what she said, but I'm going to ask her that question again on my podcast because great. it was such a good one. That is a great question. I, I would have to think the answer is yes. But you'll have of course to tune it is. In and see. You'll have to tune in and see. I would love to hear her love to hear her response. The other thing, Stephen, I'm excited about is your ability to actually speak into some things just because you're your own unique experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to worship leaders leading up to senior pastors and creative yeah. team members at church boards, just all of that, you've got loads of experience. And we know that historically worship leaders, worship pastors, and senior pastors, that relationship is not the easiest because yep. of the personalities are so different. Yep. A hundred percent. And like, you know, I, it's funny. I remember, I remember, um, I never realized that was going to be the size of tension it was until I got into ministry. Like when I was leaving the record industry the first time to get into the church world, I was like, oh, this is going to be just a natural transition. And I had no idea because I, I don't, it's not just the worship leader and the senior pastor. There is a dance and attention there that we need to discuss and, and explore. And, and maybe it would be good to have a, a senior pastor and a worship leader who don't work together on the same episode and talk about yeah. that a little bit. But um, th- the other part of it is, is people understanding creatives non-creative people who consider themselves non-creative understanding creative people and what that looks like and what that means and, and how we, we unpack that, you know? So yeah, every topic is on the table. I was on the phone yesterday with a friend of mine who owns a business and he was talking about one of his employees and how they're hard to work with and how they're kind of lazy and they only work 10 hours a week. And the guy's super creative. And yeah. my response was, you can't just turn those guys loose. They're generally not self-starters. You have to lead them in a very specific way. And this guy's organization is built around more engineering, more very black and white. And then he's got this one guy on staff who's super creative and it wasn't going well. I'm like, well, that, that's a recipe for disaster unless you do this a certain way. But that's churches. It's like you've got ministry right. people, you've got HR and finance, and then this creative who is late to everything, sleeps in, goes to the coffee shop before every meeting, and it feels like they don't right. actually work, but they are. And they feel completely misunderstood. They feel completely yeah. undervalued. And the narrative they write versus the narrative that's real, I mean, there's so many complications to it. And so, I, I, yeah, I mean, that's I've lived that in my entire life. And so... Uh, as much as I can share yeah. those stories, I want to share them to help help our new friends navigate it better than I did. Do you consider yourself a creative, more entrepreneur? Like, what, what do you? What is you? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, so I have an unpopular opinion that everyone's creative. Some people just chose to keep the muscles exercised, and others chose to let them die. And um, so, I definitely. I mean, the creative community is definitely my community. Like, I love artists. I love being around artists. I love being around creative people. The complications that come with that are my favorite complications. And so uh, I definitely feel 
Like, you know, and as a leader, I've had to refine some of the things that were sloppy about my creative tendencies to, to allow me to not disqualify myself from leadership. But um, that's just maturing, you know? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so we're going to break up the conversation a little bit and return to a segment that we haven't done in a while, which is our turn down for MXU. So this is when people send in the sound or production complaints that they have received in their church. And we sort of maybe give some advice on how to address those problems, or maybe we just laugh at people. We'll see what happens. But um, our first one comes from our MXU team Slack, which um, this is this is interesting. It's the latest production suggestion we've received. So this is an email to the church, and it says, uh, well, first they attach a picture of their daily Bible reading, which is, you know, so that you'll know they're a believer. Uh, but then the, the text of the email says, good morning. I hope you can forward this to the appropriate person. I've reached out to Richard with no response. Is it possible to ask the worship team to stop using the fog slash smoke machine? We really need our best air quality in the building now more than ever. I personally struggle when I attend. It discourages us from attending. My husband struggles with asthma as well. So please consider a different option. Maybe even a bubble machine. Everyone loves bubbles. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, That's like Cirque du Soleil Church of bubbles. Who doesn't love bubbles? Everyone loves bubbles, Jeff. Come on. That's amazing. I, haven't, I, I didn't read that one. That's freaking awesome. A bubble machine. Yeah. One thing I got to give that person props for, okay? They didn't just cite the problem. They also brought a solution. So that's true. They're trying to be <laughs> yeah. positive. Good, solid work on on their leadership part. You know, they didn't they didn't just complain. They did offer a solution. So that's funny. Well, you know, I I know that there are some people for whom any quote contaminant would be a problem, but um, you know, Daniel did a great job in the MXU live events talking about haze and how it's generally not problematic for most people. And um, I think, you know, I think part of the problem is if they see smoke billowing, then they assume it's a problem. If they had a really diffuse haze scenario and they walked in and just saw light beams shining through it, it would be less problematic. So some of it has to do with, you know, how the haze is perceived. If it looks like smoke, people think it is smoke. But especially if it's oil-based, it's probably not going to cause as much of an issue for people's pulmonary system as they think it is. But anyway. <laughs> I've said before, we we had someone sue the church when I worked at Bayside. Wow. Because really? they thought we were poisoning people. Wow. Yeah. So the church had to spend money to go to court. It got thrown out really quickly, but it was the MDG hazer. So I had to like submit all these documents of what it was and all this. And then the whole thing got thrown out, but somebody sued us. Did you go to Bubbles as a temporary solution? <laughs> Did not. Did you not. should have with the the push the push lawnmower that spits the bubbles out for kids across the or stage. the like the big like you could put the bubble the bubble circle on oh. the flags. So when you're doing the flag worship, oh. you got the bubbles coming off with. That's it. a brilliant idea. You know, see you say that guys. and. Hey, this weekend in Reading, you'd probably find that if we say that too loudly. Hey, oh. you said you said you were creative at heart. I mean, you just, you know, you're just supporting the creative ministry. 
here's the other here's the other thing. We've all gotten comfortable wearing a mask in the last couple of years. So if you if if you're really bothered by the haze, just put your mask on. That's true. That's true. Um, so here's another one. And this is on a prayer request card because oh. a lot of these that we get, you know, they they are prayer requests. So for the worship pastor, there are four skinnier lights that intermittently move and shine into the congregation during songs. They shine directly into my eyes and are very distracting and uncomfortable. I've tried sitting in various places and it's hard to avoid. Would you consider not shining lights into and toward the congregation during praise time? Thank you for considering. At the bottom of the card, it does say our staff pray for these requests every week. So at least we know the staff is praying about the lighting. This is one of those, like we've had a few of these and you read them and you're like, well, is it bad? It might be. It might be. Uh, The older I get, I don't know. It's because we're all just getting old and not, you know, hip and cool anymore. I freaking hate having lights point in my eyes. Also, like in an arena, it's different because the room's so big and the the lights are so far away, I think. And it kind of comes along with the territory. But in a smaller room, a really bright light in someone's eyes, it is annoying if it keeps happening. What's funny is the the text of the comment implies that she tried to evade the light and it chased her around it's like you know she i tried sitting somewhere else and they kept following me so maybe it is personal maybe she's uh maybe she's got a tracker on and they're just kind of intentionally shining the light at her that's true i it makes me think of daniel cannell i mean i feel like he's the best at creating lighting design that you don't even know is changing even though there yeah. could be 70 lights on stage. You know, if it's a high, it's an energetic song and it needs like hits and stuff, they're there. But he has a way of creating a mood with lights that's different yeah. than anybody I've ever seen. You know, if you look at the Church on the Move stuff from six, seven years ago, that's where it all started, in my opinion. And last week on the tour, it was the same thing. It, You know, we watched this worship set get created from scratch lighting video and audio all day for six hours and then john sal and jenna led us in worship with what we saw being constructed and i'm two songs in before i realized that things production wise were even happening where it's usually the opposite it's usually uh worship starts and i'm like what's it sound like can i hear the vocal what are these colors? What are the lighting cues doing? And then it takes me two or three songs to forget about all of it. Right. And it was the opposite because I think most of that honestly had to do with the lighting. I, I agree. And I think what was interesting is because we were able to peel back the curtain all day and let people see the process from the very beginning, you became less concerned with analyzing it and you could just experience it. And for me, the thing that I found was that more than ever, I was drawn to the lyric of the song more than ever. Like I, I wasn't trying to figure out totally what was happening in the mix. I wasn't trying to figure out how they were pulling off some production element. It was, man, these words are so compelling. A part of that was the sound of the vocal and the fact that his vocal was perfect, but the something about this, this time, it was like the lyrics of the songs were so engaging in such a different way. And I, I'd love to, 
unpack that some more sometime, but it was, it was really compelling. Some of that too, I think Jeff is as simple as this sounds. There's so many churches that don't do this, that should figure out a way to do it is to have lyrics on stage, not just on the side screens. Because we were able to look at the worship leaders as they're leading you, and right. then the lyrics are in the same uh, plane of view. It's really disconnecting when you have to turn your head forty over 45 degrees to the side of the stage, and then you're watching a motion background or a nature loop, and then the lyrics are there. Right. You know what I mean? Like, So the more that the lyrics can be on the stage, it really, really does help. Yeah. No doubt. Steven, you probably didn't know you were signing up for all this when you got involved. I love it. I mean, this is my life, bro. I love it. It's awesome. So we have one more. I don't know if we can get to it, but do you have Gomi's? Um, I do. Clo- close at hand? I do. So Gomi's done this twice now where he gets voicemails at his church. I don't know what it is about Southeast Florida, but the attendees at the churches like to send voicemail complaints. And should we just play it for him? I think so. Okay. Hello. I'm just getting back from a beautiful sermon, but something I'd like to bring attention to because it's um, really upsetting me. Whoever is changing the lights, I sit in the balcony, and whoever is changing the lights, the house lights are supposed to be dim, and the focus is supposed to be on the stage or the pastor. And whoever is changing those lights so brightly, it's like you're under microscope and it, 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 you can't see, you can't read the screen so well because there's a glare because the house lights are so loud, light, um, bright. So could someone please talk to whoever's changed the lighting? It's not supposed to be that way in any house of any, any kind of thing. So, um, thank you. I appreciate it. Bye bye. <laughs> okay. The lights the lights are loud, light and bright. That's amazing. Yeah. So I I had a lengthy text conversation with Gomi about this because I'm like, okay, does she think the moving lights and the profiles are house lights and maybe they're again pointing and moving around and hit her in the eyes? And he said no, cuz there aren't any and sends a picture and it's like beautiful blue wash stage, no profiles. So she's actually meaning house lights. So if we dig into more of this, we could do some expository uh, talk here on the on the voicemail. Uh, when she says she sits in the balcony, that's a that's a hint. So she is she could be eight feet away from that house light, right? As opposed to being on the floor, and she's thirty feet away. And if the foot candle of that light is designed to shoot thirty feet, it's probably cooking up there. Right. So there could actually be an issue where the house lights in the balcony need a lower foot candle, but to still keep the same color temperature. Well, and Gomi made the point of saying that um, after having about 12 fixtures out for the past three months in that section, they replaced them. So actually the just ambient light of the environment just by replacing those fixtures is already up a lot from where it was a few months ago. So she's probably being overwhelmed in a way that she wasn't used to over the last quarter. 
That's true. It reminded me I was at a golf course recently and at dinner on this little patio and there was a lady who sounds about the age of this lady and the general manager of the golf club. And she was giving him a tour of his golf course and which light bulbs were different color temperatures than others and they needed fixed. <laughs> That's so she's on the landscape detail. committee at the country club. Yeah. 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 Hilarious. That's amazing. Well, we don't have great fixes for these comments, but we love receiving them. So keep them coming up, guys. Anytime you get a sound complaint, just reach reach out to us on social, and we're going to hopefully have some more turned down for MXU comments coming soon. So just make sure if there's yeah. any problems, just go bubbles. Everybody loves bubbles. So I heard. Well, Stephen, thanks for joining us, man. Guys, thanks for letting me be part. I mean, part of today's podcast, but also part of the MXU family and getting to be part of the the network of podcasts that are helping serve the church. So it means the world. You guys will trust me with that. So do we have any uh, details on when the MXU Worship podcast will be releasing? I think sooner than later. I think we're uh, rounding third base on the launch. So I'd say hopefully in the next month or so great yeah you'll see it on social we'll start promoting it start throwing clips out and uh, yeah just check out our socials and follow Steven Steven how can they keep in touch with you what's your social B underscore R-E-W-S-T-E-R easy great well thanks as always for the great combo we love your wisdom and insight and expertise and cannot wait to start engaging with the worship podcast it's going to be awesome It's going to be so much fun.